The U.S. men's national team wrapped up the send-off series with a 2-1 win over Nigeria. Up next is the World Cup on June 16th against Ghana. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, before he heads down to Brazil, is Ivis Galarsep. What's cracking, buddy? Nothing much, Garrett. I'm back from Jacksonville. Uh, it was a pretty amazing weekend down there, and the fans were amazing. And another victory for the U.S. and probably their best performance of the send-off series. And and they head off to Brazil in style after what ha- what was you have to say was a pretty encouraging performance. Exactly, and you get a bunch of encouraging performances out of, of a few guys, Josie Altador, to name one. Ivis, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll also recap. Uh, all the weekend's Major League Soccer. Talk a little bit about uh, NASL, the spring season ended, and a few other soccer tidbits. But going back to the U.S. men's national team, it's crazy to think that Thursday is the first day for the World Cup. If you're listening to the show on Monday, that means the U.S. is a week away from playing Ghana in the opening group stage. But as you said, Ivis, with the send-off series matches, you want to progressively improve. And against Nigeria, U.S. men's national team looked fantastic. Jurgen did something he's never done before. Josie had a good game. What were your immediate reaction uh, to the match and to the U.S. men's national team victory? Well, first I have to say the the Jurgen Klinsmann he pulled a pretty pretty slick move <laughs> going from uh, you know trying out the diamond midfield in the early games, and then the day before the Nigeria game he comes out and says, you know. Formation talk is uh, is overblown. It's it's meaningless. Formations don't matter. Blah blah blah. So there was this whole kind of setup going into that game about what would they do, what would mm-hmm. they play, how would they play, and then wouldn't you know it, he comes out in a four three two one, the good old fashioned Christmas tree formation, and he starts Michael Bradley, Jermaine Jones, and Kyle Beckerman together. First time. He's played those three together since his very first game as U.S. coach. People don't remember that because that was a long time ago. But that's the last time he played those three together. And he put out that Christmas tree, and it worked very well. And it started off a little slow, first 20, 25 minutes. It took them a while to kind of find their balance, find their rhythm. But once they did, you're talking about a quality performance. Jermaine Jones played, for me, the best game I can remember him playing for the U.S., Michael Bradley was outstanding. And then, of course, Josie Altador, the beneficiary, gets some service, takes full advantage of it, find, and scores his first goals since before Christmas. And, I mean, the first one was an easy tap-in. But the thing is, Ivis, I mean, sometimes you just you just need easy goals like that. But the second goal was, was just gorgeous. I mean, and also, what an unbelievable pass um, from Michael Bradley right there. But, I mean, you've been, you've been saying that for a while, though, that Josie's a guy, man. He's been slowly showing signs of, of I don't I don't want to say improvement, but just signs of confidence. You know, when you look at the first game against Azerbaijan, compare that to Turkey where he looked really good against Turkey, and then, boom, I mean, he finally broke out of the gate here against Nigeria. Well, is the thing, man. It's nothing new with Altidore. He... he... Uh, you can't always look at the club situation, the club struggles, and assume that that's going to carry over to the national team or that it's going to bring him down when it comes to the national team. Uh, it's easy to forget the things that he's been through in his career, right? And and what I, I found interesting was in the post game after this two-goal performance, it, it was as if everybody wanted him to just go, you know, to have like an emotional breakdown. Like he's finally scored. Like, thank you. Yes, I'm free. I'm saved from hell. Uh, and it wasn't a, it wasn't that was it was not that at all for him. And, uh, you know, I wrote in my I, I, my goal dot com piece after the game 
you know, I laid it all out for people that, look, this is a guy who, you know, he's still young, right? He's 24. He's still one of the younger guys on the team. But he's been around so long. He's mm-hmm. been through so many things. He's been through these kind of things before. He has that experience. He understands that, you know, how to how to deal with it, how to deal with a rough season, how to put it behind him and how to focus on the national team and then have success with the national team. He's done it. Been there, done that. So it's not a new thing for him. So while everyone else, while a lot of observers were looking at it and were they were almost as anxious uh, for him to score as he was. Right. They were almost like desperate for him to score as if they thought he needed it to breathe. And that wasn't the case. So when he did score, he's kind of like, okay, I scored. Yeah, so what? We won. We played well. That's what matters. I don't care about score. Um, But everyone wanted him to be like, you know, the happiest man on earth. And and that just wasn't the case. And that's why, folks, because he's been there. He's been through this. And and that's why, for me, I've always said, like, even when he was struggling at Sunderland and people wanted to put him on the bench, some people still want to put him on the bench. I've said it all along. The guy – gives you qualities as a starter that he he is just the guy. He is the he is your number one. And uh, I thought it was interesting, Michael Bradley, after this match mm-hmm. coming out, and it pretty much t- took a nice, like, hammer to all the all the Josie Altidore, uh, you know, critics and, and, and quote-unquote haters just, you know, pretty much put, you know, put to rest uh, any notions that, you know, Josie Altidore should, shouldn't be a starter or, or – or, you know, isn't a quality player. And he pretty much said, he's like, if you don't understand the quality, if you don't understand what Josie Atsudor brings to the team, then you don't understand soccer. And this is Michael Bradley. I mean, he knows a little bit, right? He's been there. He's been around. He's a pretty good player. He's been through some big games. So does that mean Atsudor, it it should be impervious to criticism? No, I'm not saying that. But my point is, people put too much stock into the Sunderland struggles and just assumed that there's no way he'll be able to turn it on when he got to the national team, there'd be no way he could put that disappointment behind him. And he's, but he's done it before. He did it in 09 when he, he wasted a season at Jerez uh, when he went there on loan and they were supposed to give him playing time and help his development. And then what happens? They sit him on the bench. He doesn't play a minute, waste a half season in what was a just complete debacle. And guess what? He shook that off, went to the Confederations Cup and was great and helped him get to the final. Mm. A year later, similar situation. He goes to Hull City. They're awful. They're awful. He gets a little bit of playing time, but it's a nightmare season, let's face it. And he still goes to the World Cup, and he has a hand in some pretty big plays. He didn't score a goal himself, but he had a hand in some pretty big goals. The biggest goals, really, that that were scored in that tournament for the U.S., he was involved in. So he's done that. He's done that before, and I really see him doing it again. And, And we see it. We see the confidence. We saw him against Turkey. He was a handful. He was making things happen. Jurgen Klinsmann, after that match, said, you know what? If he keeps doing this, the goals will come. And what do you know? One game later, the goals came. Oh, you're exactly right. I mean, Michael Bradley even went, I mean, to say that, that Josie's a guy that you want on the field every single time uh, and every single game. And, you know, and, and I was kind of one of those people that said, you know, I mean, Josie's just not in good form right now. Maybe you kind of want to see Aaron Hansen up top. But, I mean, look, the one thing with Josie Ivis, he's so big and he's just so physical and he's so much to handle for certain teams. And I mean, when you get quality players around him, it just seems to work out well. And I mean, part of that had to go into the fact that Dempsey and Bradley combined it in the middle right there. Jermaine Jones had a solid game. It, it just looks like with, with these guys behind Josie Adador, he can really flourish in this system. He can't do it on his own, folks. I mean, that's not a that's well, yeah, that's not a knock on Sunderland. That's look, an example. Look, not everyone, not everyone can have Lionel Messi, 
or, or, or Zlatan Ibrahimovic or, or some striker who can just put his head down, make, make a few moves, moves, blow past people and score a goal on his own. Not everyone has that luxury. What Jose Altador can do is score if you give him some service. He will make the runs. He will put himself in position. But you have to get him the ball. And Fabian Johnson got him the ball. Yep. Nice. You know, say what you want. It was an easy tapping, but he, you know, he still had to put himself in that position. And it is interesting that Fabian Johnson's four, his past four assists, every assist he's gotten from 2013 to now, all four to Josie Altador. And that's not a, that's not a, uh, you know, accident. Johnson provides good service. Yes. And Altador takes advantage of good service. So, <clears throat> Having Fabian Johnson play so well, having him at right back, having Clint Dempsey and Michael Bradley able to focus on attacking roles, mm-hmm. uh, it gives Altidore support. And and that's another reason why I think this system, you know, him trotting out this Christmas tree was such a masterstroke because, you know, there had been this ongoing thing about Bradley and Jones, Bradley and Jones. Can Jones uh, submit to just being a defensive midfielder? Uh, can he really cut down on his attacking forays, which are a strength of his, but he kind of has to give that up because Michael Bradley is your preferred attacking option of the two. So in a way, you were kind of hand- handcuffing Jermaine Jones, limiting Jermaine Jones. And what, is, what does Klinsman do? He, pl- he plugs in Kyle Brackerman, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you have a player who can allow Jermaine Jones the freedom to do what he wants in the attack and cover ground everywhere. Yeah. And Jermaine Jones took full advantage of it. And that is Jermaine Jones. At his best, what we saw yesterday, because just because you don't give him that anchor defensive responsibility doesn't mean he won't defend. It doesn't mean he won't buzz all around the field, even when he doesn't have the ball. That That's not the case at all. It, if, if we saw anything and we were reminded of anything, is if when you give him the freedom to get involved in the attack, he's more than happy to contribute defensively. He's more than happy to just run like a crazed dog. For 90 minutes if he has that freedom and he had that freedom in this system he had that freedom against nigeria and i tell you what that's why i really like this system for the ghana game and i know i know people will say oh nigeria's not ghana you can't just say that but no you can say that this system looked good and nigeria is a good team they're the african champions folks i know they didn't have all their top players uh emanike didn't start ahmed musa was hurt but they still had some quality on the field they had john Obi mikhail they had Odom Wingy, Victor Moses, Sholom Amiobi's, you know, pretty solid. They had quality on the field, and and the U.S. won. The U.S. beat them, outplayed them. Yeah. So you can't just ignore that. I know they're not Ghana, but it's a confidence booster. And considering how incomplete their previous performances were, and as, as many questions as there still were about the diamond midfield, which I, by the way, have been saying for how many episodes now, doesn't work. It's not a realistic option. I no. said it, I said it, I said it, and it, it just never was going to be, right? It wasn't. And now we saw what a real option looks like. And this 4-3-2-1 absolutely looks like an option well, for and Brazil. I, and I think you and I have been talking about this for quite some time, you know, finding a way to get Kyle Beckerman, Jermaine Jones, and Michael Bradley on the field at the same time because – Look, I mean, Michael Brad. I mean, I'm sorry, Kyle Beckerman. We we all know what he can bring to the table. He's not going to be the best player going forward, but as a number six, as holding mid, I mean, he breaks up a lot of things. And you're exactly right about Jermaine Jones. The one thing that impressed me the most with Jermaine Jones in this game was late in the game. 
I mean, the amount of recoveries that he was making, he was covering ground, he's making a lot of late interceptions, a lot of late tackles. I mean, he kept going throughout the game. And I think with Jermaine Jones, Ivis, where you can kind of take off that defensive responsibility for him, that's where he really excels. And I mean, there were numerous times when he got forward and, and having a guy like Kyle Beckerman, who you know is going to stay there, who you know is going to fill up the gaps, who you know is going to get involved. Yeah, he's not going to be the quickest player, but you need something like that. And pairing him with Michael Bradley, Jermaine Jones, look, going forward, you got to find a way to get those guys on the field every single game. They they are, they are all work very well together. You know, there's an old saying that, you know, it, it, on, a, on a soccer team, you need your piano players, but you also need your, your piano carriers. Kyle Breckerman is a guy who can do that dirty work. Yep. He can carry the piano. And he showed – I mean, look, he's, is he spectacular? No, but he he's very good at what he does. He's very selfless. And talking to him after the game and, 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 and just – he totally gets it. He totally gets it. He understands. You know what? I, I have no problem whatsoever sacrificing and, and, and doing the dirty work for these guys to let these guys work their magic. He had he's, he's, his exact words were like, "Oh yeah, I, I'll do that. Great, no problem. I'll play. I'll play that. I'll play with these guys every day, like yep. every game. Like, and you know what? So it's one game, but uh, considering the team is in such kind of a state of flux, and Klinsman's still trying to figure figuring, still trying to figure some things out. Uh, I don't know how you come away from this game and not feel really good about this system working uh, or this system being the best option. Does this system guarantee a win against Ghana? No, but I would say that if you're talking, if you're saying either this four-three-two-one or a diamond midfield, or even a four-two-three-one, I have to say the four-three-two-one. I liked it. I like, and not just Jones, Bedoya. Could he have done better on a few of the attacking plays? Sure, but he gives you such a great work rate, uh, and that's why he played in the deeper role. Because you know, when people saw the lineup, people just assumed, oh, we're gonna see. Uh, Jones, Beckerman, Bradley across the line in the three, right? That's what people just assumed. But no, you put Bedoya there because he mm-hmm. he he's he won't stop running. He'll defend he'll defend with every ounce of his body and he'll get into the attack. He just his work rate is unmatched, right? So could he have been cleaner on some of the attacking plays? Sure, absolutely he could have. But uh, you know, he still gave you quite a bit there. He 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 put in an honest effort. And you know what? Those attacking plays will like he'll make those more often than he won't. So I tell you what, don't write him off either. Well, I, 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 you it, know, I thought I saw some people do that. Well, if you look at Bedoya, I mean, the thing with him, it, you mentioned this and you and I have talked about this for a long time. And Bedoya is a, is a box to box player. But you're right. I mean, it's the defensive side of his game that really gets him on the field. I mean, if you look at kind of just. Just if you if you go back and kind of watch where he made a lot of key stops and a lot of key tackles, I mean it was in the U.S. Men's National Team final third, and that's where you're going to need guys to step up, and that's why Bedoya is such a good player. I, I was, this is people who just who just don't. See, I mean, look, Bedoya may not give you the quality in the final third, but that's why you have Clint Dempsey out there. That's why you have Josie Altidore out there. That's why you have Michael Bradley out there. I mean, some guys also have to defend. That's just the way it works. You can't have everyone attacking the whole entire game. Right. I thought you know what I just thought. Here's the thing. You know. Clint Dempsey and Michael Bradley are your most creative guys, yep. right? They're the guys that are going to make some magic happen. So if you can get them high up the field, get them closer to Josie Altidore, you have Beasley and Fabian Johnson working the wings with their speed. And then you have Jermaine Jones and Alejandro Bedoya jumping into the attack when the opportunity presents itself. All of a sudden, you've got options. All of a sudden, you have what can be an attack, what can go from – solid defense to a counter 
solid defense to numbers forward. And, and mm-hmm. I like it, man. I, I know it's one game, but I, uh, I, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm giving the Nigeria opponent more credit than some because I know some will say, "Oh, they were missing guys." Blah blah blah. Look, this is still a solid team. John Obi Mikel, quality player. I mean, he, I think he misplaced like one pass uh, on Saturday. He's like, he's good, folks. He's good. And if you want to talk about needing a test before the Ghana game, that was a good test. Mm-hmm. So does this mean, oh, they beat Nigeria, er, therefore they will beat Ghana? No, it doesn't mean that. But considering what we saw in the first two games, because look, the, if you took those the, the Azerbaijan game and the Turkey game, I can't imagine anyone realistically looked at those games and said, well, based on these two games, I'd say I like the U.S. team's chances in the group of death. No, I don't know anyone that realistically, honestly, could say that. But now you look at this game, this Nigeria game, and see how the U.S. team came together, supported each other, had balance, gave, created chances for Altidore. Michael Bradley created I don't know how many chances. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't. Vincent Inyama, Nigerian goalkeeper, is quality. Very, very good goalkeeper. And if not for him, it could have been 3-1, three, 4-1. Three, one, one. It could have been a lot more, right? There were chances created. And for that reason, I really like what this system showed. And and not just that, but I, there were quality performances all over the field, I thought. No, there was. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, when, when you talk about the little bit, I mean, you look at the outside fullbacks, uh, DeMarcus Bleasley and, and Fabian Johnson, Ivis, I mean, they looked outstanding this game. I mean, Johnson is such a threat going forward for the U.S. men's national team. And, and he is so smart about when he makes the right runs and how he makes those runs. I mean, just the one assist that he had in, the, in this game. I mean, very smart play to continue your run. Some players would just stop and kind of wait for something to happen. The outside fullbacks, Ivis, I mean, going forward, I mean, do you think that DeMarcus Beasley will be starting over Timmy Chandler? I mean, and obviously Johnson's going to be getting a start in Brazil. Uh, I don't think there's any question Beasley starts. I thought he – I personally – now, look, Johnson was the flashier player. He had the assist. He surged forward, but Johnson also had a few kind of moments where that were shaky. I mean, he had, there, there was one kind of back pass header that set up a counter. Uh, there were a few moments that were a little like, you know, he was running around doing so much. There were going to be kind of plays where he didn't make the ideal decision. Beasley, I thought, I mean, when you look at the stats, I mean, his he didn't misplace a pass other than two crosses that were upfield. So every other pass he completed – he was up and down. He defended. He had he had you know countless interventions, uh, you know interceptions, and and he just did everything you could possibly want the left back to do. Did he have highlight reel runs, highlight reel like dribbles? No, but he did the job, and he did it steadily, and he did it you know for the entire time he was on the field. And I thought. You know, there was nothing from that performance that that should should make him not be the starter. He, for me, will start against if he's healthy. He will start against Ghana. You bring Timmy Chandler on, fresh legs, his speed, late in the game. Sure, absolutely. 80th minute, you want to bring him in, bring the fresh legs in. Go, definitely. But when you want to talk about starting against Ghana, I'm sorry, I have to go with Beasley as a starter. No, well, Beasley just doesn't make mistakes. He's just very smart about the way he plays. Jinx, jinxing him right now. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's gonna score an own goal now. No, no, but like I mean, serious. I mean, Demarcus Beasley doesn't make mistakes. He's very smart about things. He he knows what he can do and he knows what he can get away with. And yeah, I mean, every once in a while he does get beat, Ivis. But for the most part, I mean, he holds up play very well. I mean, he there were numerous times where Nigeria a, had to stop on his side and then switch the ball to the other side. He does a good job. He's a, he here's the thing. He's a smart player. He has that experience. The years of experience. But he still has speed, you know, like 
has he lost a step? Of course. Has he lost a step from when he was 20 and was blazing fast? Obviously, he's lost a step. But he had a step to lose. He still has quickness. And you combine that quickness with his intelligence and experience. He puts himself in good spots. And as you said, he limits mistakes. He limit he he yep. he, he he just limits them. And in the World Cup, you can't make mistakes. And we've seen with Timmy Chandler, when he's tired, he can be prone to really bad mistakes. So from that standpoint, I'd I I I think most people would feel a lot more comfortable with Bart with Beasley starting at right at left back. Uh, the center backs, Ivis, you had Matt Beasler and Jeff Cameron back there. I think going forward, these guys are most likely going to be starting against Ghana. Um, out of all the games, you know this is perhaps Beasler's best performance out of the previous two. I thought Jeff Cameron had his moments too. Uh, what did you see out of these guys? Well, I'd say I, I would do want to say one thing, like regarding Matt Beasler. You know, I I, <clears throat> I said that I watched the Turkey game again during the week after our last show, and I when I when I watched it again. I didn't think Beasley was as bad as maybe I thought on first viewing. Maybe we were a little harsh on him. I mean, he he wasn't at his best, but he also wasn't atrocious. Because I know I remember I did the whole if a caveman, you know, if I was a caveman and it came out of my it came out of the ice and I saw Beasley play, I'd be like, bench the guy. You did say that. Actually, I did say that. It was a little harsh. He 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 wasn't that bad. But this game, he was solid. He was he was he was Beasley. He was what you expect him to be. It's going to be Cameron and Beasley, no doubt about it, 100% lock. If healthy, those are your guys. Because John Brooks is young and inexperienced, and Omar Gonzalez does not look good no. at all. And I'd tell you what, he doesn't look healthy to me. He looks he looks off. He almost looks like he's playing injured. And I doubt they would do that. I doubt the U.S. – I doubt the uh, – Klinsman and Ashley would allow that. Right, they wouldn't allow it. But maybe he – you know, something's not right with him. Something's not right with him. This isn't a case of brain farts or mistakes that he's made. In the past. He looks physically not 100%. He, well, he looks got, like he got burned late in the game. He just he, he just looks even really, slower yeah, he than he normally slow. Yeah. He looks even slower than he normally looks and you know, it, 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 it is it the knee still bothering him? I mean, I don't know what it is with him, but I tell you what, I would not even think about putting him on the field against Ghana. I would not. I mean, um, it, unless there's a crazy I mean, honestly, I would put Brooks in before him. Right now, I if you're asking me if I'm I'm on the sidelines and you know for what you know knock on wood it doesn't happen but if one of your center backs gets injured and you got to plug someone in early in that game, I'm putting John Brooks in. Yeah, because you know what, physically he'll be able to deal with things. Uh, he he doesn't have the experience, but he will physically be able to hang uh, handle things. He he'll be able he'll be able to control uh, control things in the air. He he isn't you know he showed that he's got he's quick. For, for his size, he's got some quickness to him. So I, for me, I'm not putting Gonzalez anywhere near the field uh, based off of what we saw against Nigeria. And in goal for the U.S., it was Tim Howard. I was, it was his 100th cap. More importantly, this match was also your 100th cap. So, I, so how you didn't get a you know, award ceremony before the game, to me, that was outrageous. <laughs> I know, man. I didn't get any ceremony. You should have brought you and him down. It would have been nice, you know? <laughs> no, nah, it's all right, man. T- Tim and I shared our, our, our moment the day before. We gave each other the pound. And, you know, we look, we represent Jersey. It is what it is. Uh, pr- just happy for the guy, proud of him. You know, seeing him, I covered him. I've covered him since 99 before he ever even had a cap. And seeing him now where he is, 100 caps, seven years is the number one for the u.s going into his third world cup second as the starter i mean it's really incredible just the career that guys had and and it's not over yet he it's he's still writing the chapters on his career and 
you know, he deserves every bit of success that he's had because he's just been an absolute pro and 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 really realized and maximized all the ability that he had because and that he has because you know you you get you get young players who come up and they have loads of talent right they're told they're just they've got the gifts and you see it and you say this guy if he handles himself the right way he could be a star we've seen that kind of player many a time and so and more often than not the player doesn't realize their potential the player it goes down the wrong path or or just doesn't get to where you think he can get right tim howard has has done everything that everyone thought he could do and and he's become everything people thought he could be 12 14 years ago when he was the hot shot prospect the young goalkeeper with tons of promise uh and it's great to see and, and you know I, I wrote recently in goal that you know it <clears throat> as great a career as he's had and he's had a great career he, he's earned himself a place if there's a mount rushmore for american goalkeeping he is the fourth guy now joining Miola, uh, Casey Keller, and Brad Friedel. But if you want to talk about being the best American goalkeeper of all time, he has that opportunity to, to, to jump into that spot with a strong World Cup, and, and it's there for him. And, I, and you know what? I think he can do it. I think off, coming off the year that he's, he, he had at Everton, the level that he's playing at, he can absolutely do it. And, and how great would that be, especially reaching the 100 caps, third World Cup, you know, just to just to do it like that and have a really strong World Cup, I think he can do it. I mean, like you said, he had a good year at Everton. I, I mean, he I, Howard continues to improve, man. I mean, he can he can keep playing. I, I mean, well, he's he's such a good goalkeeper. Right. I mean, goalkeepers get better with age. You mid thirties is not old for a goalkeeper. I mean, you're. I mean, you see goalkeepers get playing con- at a steady level into their late thirties, even 40, 40 plus. So, you know, I don't think he's gonna play that long, but <clears throat> it's not a shock at all that. Uh, that he's been able to kind of sustain this high level. And it's funny when you think about it, and I got to go there, I got to bring it up. A year ago, a year ago, right? It was a year ago. You had people writing him off. A year ago, a little bit more than a year ago, when he had a couple couple of moments with Everton here and there, and people like, oh, there it is. His form is falling. Brad Guzan should be the starter. Tim's not Tim anymore, and it's yeah. like really, guys, one or a couple of games. Like, and I, I'm sure if we go back to the episodes, I'm sure I had a rant about it, about how ridiculous it is to already write the guy off, and look what he's done since then. If anything, I think it fueled him. I think it sparked him to just because I mean, I know he heard it. I know. I mean, obviously, we've had him on the show. I talk to him all the time. I know he heard that stuff, and especially like you know, uh, not to throw anyone under the bus, but I think Eric Winalda actually was one of the people who who was questioning Tim Howard. And, and I know Howard heard that, and I know he wasn't happy about it. And what has he done since then? He's continued to play at a high level, step his game up. And is and, and this past season at Everton, he's been absolutely amazing, outstanding for them. And you know what? He has to do it in the World Cup. He has to. 2010 World Cup, it wasn't a great World Cup for him. And I know, you know, we and, and I've talked to him about it, and, and he's not, he he for him, he doesn't think he had a bad World Cup, but even Jurgen Klinsmann, as a TV analyst, said Tim Howard didn't have a good World Cup in 2010. And I think it's because people had the high expectations. They expect him to save the day, be the Superman, put on the cape, and make the acrobatic saves. He didn't do that in 2010. And now he has this opportunity in 2014 to do it. And if he does it, I'm telling you folks, that will be the cherry on the top 
And for me, if he has a strong World Cup, if he has a quality, high-level World Cup, big saves, saves some results, all of a sudden you have to look at his career and start saying, is any is 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 it the best career a goalkeeper's ever had for the U.S.? Well, I, I think that's a fair conversation at that point. Well, as as of right now, Ivis, he's one of three goalkeepers in the U.S. to reach 100 caps. He's now the f- 15th player in the U.S. team history to have 100 caps. He does have the most wins at 54. Casey Keller with 53. Right. I mean, you know, the, the, you can't always... I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at the stats, baby. The stats don't Right, lie. but look, you also have to consider Brad Friedel stepped away from a national team in 2002, right? I, I mean, know. he... He, he, you know, who knows how things would have gone if he had not, you know, stepped away. But in in the time that he did play, he did quite a bit. And Casey Keller served the team for so long, uh, making so many, you know, am- having so many amazing games. Um, but I, I mean, I'll say it. I'm going to say it. If he, if Tim Howard has a strong World Cup, if he has an outstanding World Cup, you have to look at it all. You have to look at the Confederations Cup. You have to look at the multiple World Cup qualifying cycles that he's been the key to. For me, he will he will go down as the best American goalkeeper if he has a strong World Cup. Okay, more importantly, though, we, we got to get back to the, the more important thing about 100 caps. I mean, Tim Howard, eh, whatever. Ivis, you had 100 caps. Pretty amazing, dude. Pretty amazing. I think you would. <laughs> I mean, I'm, seriously. I'm, I mean, seriously. I mean, how many other people can say that they've been to 100 U.S. men's national team games? I mean, there's not many of you. Well, I mean, I mean, I can tell you what. I know there's some fans that probably have 100 caps because, I mean, I see a lot of the same faces at every single game. Every single AO party, uh, credit to hats off to them because I mean they're paying their own way. Like I have companies paying my way through the years, so I can't really compare to those guys. But media, you know, uh, for, from a media standpoint, uh, there aren't that many. I mean, Grant Wall actually just reached his hundredth cap uh, in the Turkey game. Uh, there's a couple, obviously. You know, Michael Lewis has been around forever, and and I know he has probably has like 150 caps, but maybe more. You know. He's a legend, let's face it. Um, but there, there's been guys, so it's not like unheard of. But, you know, it is crazy how time flies and, and how, uh, you know, you, you start out in this biz and, and, and you hope you can kind of stick with it and, 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 and make a name for yourself and, 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 find, and make a place for yourself in the whole thing. And, you know, my first cap was in 2000, USA versus Haiti Gold Cup opener at the Orange Bowl. And the Orange Bowl isn't even around anymore. Big crowd. I remember it was like, you know, I think it was like almost 50,000 there. A lot of Haitians there. U.S. won 3-0. <clears throat> and one of the moments that stands out for me from that game was some overzealous G- uh, Haitian radio guys. Try st- they, they, they st- they're in the press box, and they actually just start doing like play-by-play of the game on like a cell phone <laughs> as if no one's going to mind these guys just yelling on a cell phone. Of course, it lasted like two minutes before someone kind of like got them the heck out of there. But I just remember thinking like, man, this is crazy. So it, it, it's been wild. It's been a wild ride, man. A hundred caps. And, and it, you know, I, I'm not to break my heart, patting myself on the back, but I, I, I'm pretty proud of it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, Hundred caps and, and all the places I've been lucky enough to go and, and cover this team and you know here I am I'm leaving Tuesday to Brazil man fourth World Cup so it, it's great and uh, if anything I feel I feel old man I tell you what I feel old Eric Winalda scored in that game by the way Eric Winalda getting another plug on the show today Eric Winalda Kobe yes. Jones I think scored in that game yeah that's how old I am I'm an old man when when here I'll look it up real quick when when was this uh, February two thousand Bruce Arena was the coach. 
uh, I think, yeah, Bruce Arena and Claudio Arena were, you know, two guys that first times I talked to both of those guys were on that trip. That was a great trip, actually, for me. It was like my first uh, real extended road trip as a soccer writer. Uh, my newspaper sent me down. Uh, MLS was in spring training, mind you. This is They were in Fort Lauderdale all – what was it, 12 teams in? <clears throat> all the teams were in Fort Lauderdale. They had like a tournament. They were playing games all the time. So you had all the teams there, access to all the teams. It was great, right? So I had pitched this trip to to my editor and said, "Look, send me down there. All the teams are there. I can I can you know you know do stuff for a preview. The U.S. team is playing in the Gold Cup. I can cover those games. So it was I gave a good. It, it was a good worth. It was a trip worth going to, even for a small paper like mine. Uh, it was a great experience, man. I mean, Nick Ramondo was a rookie in that training camp. Bobby Convey, I believe, was like a 16-year-old there. It was crazy. We're going way back. We're going way back. Thomas Dooley was still in the league at the time. Uh, but, yeah, that, that Gold Cup was something else. Brad Friedel had hair. Not only was Brad Friedel the starter in that Gold Cup, Brad Friedel had hair. That's how long ago it was, folks. That's how, we're, we're talking – we're going way back. Uh, U.S. actually lost to Columbia in that tournament, crazy enough, in the quarterfinals. Um, but, yeah, no, that that's – my, that was my first cap, my first big tournament, and uh, you don't forget those things. I'm looking at this, uh, the starting 11 for the U.S. You were right. Ronaldo did score. Kobe Jones did score. But, dude, a lot of coaches. Ben Olsen, uh, Robin Fraser, C.J. Brown. Damn, Ivis. Some coaches in here, man. Yeah, but they're young coaches. So I am just, little... just saying. No, no, but, you know, yeah. So, But, you know, I, I'm, I count myself lucky, man, to, to be doing what I do and I know there's a lot of people who want to go, who want to be in this business and get into this business, and you know what? It's a, it's all about hard work, folks. It's all about hard work, and there's a lot of good people in our business these days. Uh, I mean, and there are also some crappy people, but there's a lot of talent uh, cranking cranking out quality content all over, uh, you know, the the American media, American soccer media scene, and it's great to see, man. Because I can tell you what, going back to 2000, I don't know how many people were in that press box that day. For a gold cup game, and now you see, you know, any U.S. game is packed, 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 packed with media. So it's crazy. Also, one one other final thing before we, we move on. Uh, word has it on the street, Ivis, that Jacksonville was a good time, and I heard some of the parties were, were bumping out there. That's the rumor on the street, from what I've been told. <laughs> the word on the street. Well, the night before party uh, was was first class. Uh, I think the venue was the venue was pot, was help that because it seemed like it was a pretty good venue just with their general the, you know the, the people that were there just to, you know, who were regulars i guess but ao brought it again man they, they they great crowd great turnout for that i mean it was like a line around the corner <laughs> when i got there so uh it, it was a good time and, and then again it's always great meeting people uh who travel from all over uh to go to these games and and i mean credit you know props to them you know all the money they spend all the time they take I mean, you get people who drive six, eight hours. You get people who fly in from, you know, all over the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard some guy, like, supposedly drove from, like, California or something. So Drove? Holy crap. I, yeah, I mean, you know, people get people That's get insane. on these missions. People get on these missions, you know, and... So it is what it is, but no, great, great place. And look, that's the second time that they've had a game there. And both times have been amazing turnouts. And look, it's not just about Jacksonville. Credit to Jacksonville, the city itself. But it's the region, right? I mean, the, the southeast, you get people from all the all the neighboring states that, that kind of converge. And, and, and you know, there, there's not a ton of games in that area. 
So you get the U.S. there, people are going to go there. People are going to make the trip uh, down there. And and I, I think it's it's exciting. It's it's really exciting to consider everything that's going on in Florida as a whole. But then you have Jacksonville. They're going to launch the Jacksonville Armada, another another team there. So that that keep an eye out that that Jacksonville will get uh, national team games again. I, that I can guarantee. You. Um, what's this I also hear about people bringing up the uh, Cosmopolitan Shirley Temples? Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, and still nobody has bought me one. But uh, we, we, I did get to meet quite a few uh, uh, SBI show listeners, uh, and it's always great to meet meet them. And I always feel bad when I have to tell them, no, sorry, Garrett did not make the trip. I feel like there's a lot of people who want to meet you, man. You have a lot of fans. Yeah, I'm, a- I'm amazed by that. Is yeah, I mean, surprisingly enough, it's not just people who hate you. You have a lot of people who like you and appreciate <laughs> you as a ho- as a host, uh, you know, co-host of the show. So, uh, and I meet them, and and, and I can tell if you if you started, you know, coming on some of these trips with me, you you would feel the love. I can tell you that. I would like to. I'm also seriously disappointed though. I mean, if people are going to bring up the Cosmopolitan thing and Shirley Temple, I mean, come on, people, buy Ibis one. Someone needs to finally take the plunge. God. Listen, man. Weak, weak. You know me. You, you but know. I don't me, know so you. You, you, you try to act so tough. You're not I'm not, tough. I don't try. I, I don't try to act tough. People just are scared of me. That's just, that's just how it is. I don't get why they are. If you look, because you, you know me, so you, you obviously you're not even scared of me. But if you didn't know me and you just, we were just at a bar, I don't think you would buy me a Shirley Temple. I think you'd be like, let's get away from that guy. And you might kick my ass. That's, that's just how it is. But no, great. <laughs> it was great. Again, great to meet listeners because you know what we—it's—it it's, lets us know that the message is being heard and that the show is being listened to, and uh, it's great to get the feedback, positive or negative. Great to get the feedback and and and, and he, you know hear people's views on things and, and and let us know that we're you know you're enjoying the product. Yeah, and like I've said, I, I piggyback off what he's—I'll I mean, piggyback off what he just said. I mean, for us. Ivis and I, this show is a labor of love. I think everyone knows we record it. At, today we're actually recording it at a normal hour, so that's nice. But we record the show at insane hours. We work our butts off because hope, hopefully one day, Ivis, we'll have that corner studio in New York when I move out there about 10 years from now. But uh, but as <laughs> always, man, everyone, seriously, thank you for listening to the show. It, without you, the show does not exist. Oh, without you, the show would never have existed. So. That's true. Well, that, well yeah. actually, yeah, if I didn't bug the crap out of you on, on Gchat, then, yeah, this would have never happened. That's the key if you want to write for soccer by Ivis. Just hit him up on Gchat every day. <laughs> uh, no, see, that's the thing. G- you can't. <laughs> no, email me repeatedly. That's 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 what it is. No, honestly, that's what... uh, I, I I will apologize to everyone who's ever emailed me trying to write for me. I get a lot of emails, right? Uh, and I just have so many things going on, and I could be better about it. I, I say it all the time. But I suck at answering emails. So a lot of times they get, you know. They get lost in the mix, but if you send, if, if you if you try a few times, I will see that, and I will make it a point to to reach out. And and some of the <clears throat> actually a lot of actually I think every writer who's gone on to really establish themselves on the site went through it a few times, went through the process a few times. So uh, you know, if at first you don't succeed, try again. I, I would definitely say that. I emailed you all the time. It's the way it works, man. That is the way it works. And with all that, the U.S. men's national team is on the way to Brazil. A bunch of them taking pictures and everything. And, uh, Ivis, man, it's crazy to think that the World Cup is about three days away and the U.S. plays in seven days. It's just, it's not going to hit me till, till that first game on Thursday. <laughs> it's not going to hit you? 
I'm the one flying there, man. Well, gonna, I, come I, on, it's going to hit you when you walk out of the plane in Brazil. You're going to be like, oh, man, this is real. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm not even uh, – people keep asking me, like, oh, are you excited? Are you excited? I'm like, no, I'm not really – it's my fourth one. All right, well, fine. Uh, I'll go for you if you're not excited. I, no, I, I'm not saying I don't want to go. I want to go, believe me. But it, you, you, when you do enough of these – kind of trips you're like oh my god it's just another trip but then when you get on the plane and you really have everything's behind you because look I st- look it's what 1 38 a.m sunday evening and i have still so many things to get done before i get on that plane so i can't i can't think about it yet when i'm on the plane when i the door closes and i order my first few jack and cokes before you know to, before the nightcap then i can sit and relax and say yes it's time to get the work. Time to go to Brazil. Time to get the game face on. And and because look, man, I'm going there. To, I'm going there to work, man. I'm going there to, to represent and 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 bring the message and and provide my insight. I'm there for a job. I'll, I'm gonna have some fun too, but I'm there for a job. And you know, just like the players, man. I'm, I I gotta I gotta represent. I gotta. I don't want anyone saying, oh, he was terrible at the World Cup. Can't have that. What uh? What day do you th- what day do you leave for Brazil again? I uh, leave Tuesday night. Have, you haven't packed yet, have you? No, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't. even. I've been telling you. I've been telling you for three weeks to pack. No, 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 no. But listen, I'm, I haven't. Even, I'm gonna. The last show you said you were gonna pack before Jacksonville. I knew you weren't. Gonna well, do that. let's be. You knew that wasn't gonna. Happen. You're so no, easily I, distracted. It's not about distractions. I have a million things going on. Do you? You don't even uh, listen. Let me tell I you. I do know, but you, you also get distracted pretty easily. I have. It's true. I have. <laughs> I know you. See, but, I know. But you know what the ADD works for me because it helps me. I can do a million things at once because I can, you know, I can, uh, you know, multitask. But it, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. You don't even know, man. You, you tw- walk a mile in my shoes for twenty four hours, man. You, you would you would jump up, jump off a bridge. It's crazy. I'm, I'm sure I'd be fine. I was come on. <laughs> okay, settled. You almost had a. I'm not even gonna go there. No, what are you gonna say? I was gonna say you almost had a breakdown with your new job, let alone handling handling my empire. Come on. Come on, that's different. <laughs> all right that's it let's that move was on. true i was a little overwhelmed um yeah, yeah it's one of my <laughs> and this past weekend major league soccer was in full action it's the last weekend all the teams are taking a break to coincide with the world cup then they'll be back on june 27th when uh well the world cup will still be going on but they're taking a quick break for the world cup and blah, blah blah all that good stuff uh new york new england revolution i was new york going into the break with a 2-0 win over new england that's back-to-back shutout losses for new england and their high-powered offense, and uh, and for New York, I mean, just you talk about just a massive victory for them over at the Revolution. Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, considering the players, all the players they were missing, and the long history of failure that club has had going up to New England, they had literally not won in New England since the 2002 World Cup. I actually did not go to that game. Uh, because I it, it was what the summer of two thousand and two. That's crazy how long it's been since since uh, the New York uh, Red Bull slash formerly known as Metro Stars uh, had won against the Revs up there. So hats off to them. Hats off to Mike Pecky to get that big big win before the break. Um, they needed it. They absolutely needed it. Um, and that's a big confidence builder for for a lot of those bench guys. And and look, Matt Miaska, the young, the teenage. Uh, U18 center back, him getting a start against a team like that, that's a gutsy play. I mean, obviously, you know, Pecky didn't have many options there, but I mean, that's a big confidence builder for, for him. 
he's one to watch, folks. Matt Biasca, remember the name. The guy, the kid is the kid's a talent. The kid's a talent, no question about it. But you know, they if they don't win that game, they're going into the break on a five match winless streak. Uh, serious questions about uh, their their viability as a contender. So <clears throat> to get that win before the break. Now they can kind of go back to the drawing board. You get hopefully you get Cahill back after the World Cup. Give Tim uh, Terry Henry a chance to rest. Dax McCarty a chance to get healthy. Uh, you know what? There's still possibilities for this season. I, I still think they need to go get some help in the in the summer window. They need a DP. I think they need a playmaker at, at least a playmaker, maybe a fullback. They need to go get some help uh, because as constituted, they're not winning a title. I'm saying it, folks, no offense to anybody. Red Bulls are not winning an MLS Cup with the team they have right now. They need to go get better. But big win for them, big confidence builder for for their bench guys. New England, uh, I'm sure, look, they're going to be disappointed, but I think Jay Heaps realizes, and and we talked about it actually last time I saw him and uh, when we were in Philly, there's ups and downs in MLS. No team is going to just pull an arsenal undefeated run through a whole season and just destroy everybody like there's ups and downs you're gonna have your five game winning streaks you're gonna have your losing streaks roller coasters for everybody and new england new england had to know that they were gonna slow down they had to know they were gonna hit a bit of a lull and now they've done that and you know what maybe the break's good for them right now for them to regroup and kind of figure some things out and it is interesting that jose gonzalez comes back into the lineup and 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 they've lost a little bit of their mojo you know so that's something they've got to sort out, but I still think they're a quality team. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be dangerous in the playoffs. Uh, you know, So d- don't take these two losses that they've had recently to Montreal, New York, as a sign that they're not that good because they, they're still very good. Uh, moving over to the Western Conference, Real Salt Lake dropped their second game all season to the Port. Well, they lost, excuse me, to the Portland Timbers. And, I mean, we all know that RSL has been a thorn in the side of the Portland Timbers. So uh, Real Salt Lake, as you like to say, they did not pull off a Arsenal-esque season. Um, Fernando Adi Ives continues to impress for the Portland Timbers. He scored uh, two goals in this game. That's now four goals for him. In five games, I mean, the last two, and think about this, in the two games that he started, Ivis, he has scored four goals for Portland Timbers. Will Johnson gets a goal in this one. Uh, Portland, man, big win for them against uh, a shorthanded Real Salt Lake side. Uh, Fernando Adi, what a pickup for them. I mean, he's been huge for them. And uh, all of a sudden, here they come, right? I mean, they <clears throat> they had that winless rut to start the season, but now all of a sudden, 4-1-2. and two. In their last seven, they've won three out of four going into the break, and all of a sudden you're feeling a little better about, you know, where they are. If you're if you're if you're Caleb Porter, uh, you know, not everything's perfect, but you know, for them, uh, to to have Adi look like a really good find for them, and 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 the, starting to find that rhythm, having Rodney Wallace, uh, coming back slowly but surely from his his knee injury, uh, his ACL surgery, he's uh, he's now at at your club, Arizona. Uh, on a short loan and should be back after the break. So he's big for them. I mean, we'll, we'll see how far along he is because obviously ACLs are always a bit tricky and, and, and you, you never know how long it'll take to get back fully fit. But if they can get Roddy Wallace anywhere close to 100% for the end of the season, that's huge because he was such a big part uh, of what they were able to do last year, you know, uh, giving them balance on that left side to go with the right of, of the, you know the dynamism of, of Darlington Agby on the right, so uh, Portland folks one to watch. If you put if you threw if you threw dirt on them because of their winless streak to start the season, 
uh, eight games without a win. If you took that as as a sign that oh they're done, Caleb Porter's magic is wiped is washed away. They're going to be awful this year. No, folks, they're still dangerous. They're still loaded, and if they get in the playoffs, no one's going to want to have to deal with them. Also, it was good for RSL to get all those points within the season. Blah blah blah. Enough said. Everyone freaking out about RSL. They're going to be fine. Uh, LA Galaxy Chivas USA played to a one one draw. Uh, Eric Torres scores his ninth goal of the season. Ivis, I think if he was on any other team, he'd be getting some national love. Unfortunately, he's playing for Chivas USA. Zardis with a goal in this one. And a uh, little, little crazy to see guys going to Brazil, Ivis, and Landon Donovan doing post-game Chivas USA LA Galaxy press conference. It was awkward in the timeline. You know, I'm, I'm looking at my Twitter timeline, and it's like selfie central as all the U.S. players are taking selfies on the plane. They're all happy. They're all smiling. Dreams come true. Blah blah blah. And then there's Landon Donovan, sad Landon face in the post game after the <laughs> game. Uh, I guess the Galaxy tweeted out a picture of him doing some post game interviews, and it's like you know, you know he's got to be depressed. You know he's got to be hurt by not going, and it's unfortunate. Obviously, uh, it's tough. It's got to be so tough for him to to not be going. Um, but back to this game, uh, you know. Eric Torres, yes. I mean, if you if you were in a different team, he well, he would probably get more attention. But it's also look, they don't they're not winning games. He's scoring goals. He's getting goals every game practically, but they're coming in losses all the time. So I mean, it's not just scoring goals that gets you the headlines. Scoring goals and leading your team to victory is what gets you headlines. So uh, it's great to see him scoring goals and having a talent like him in the league. But Chivas USA, man, they 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 got a ways to go. And this was a positive result for them but look it's just it's a bit pretty much lost season for this team you know everyone's just waiting for it to be over to see what this team is called in the year to see who buys this team and see if whoever comes in and takes over this team can really turn it into a a healthy uh, healthy franchise for a healthy club for the league as far as the galaxy goes just like i was telling people about portland early on not to go crazy don't go crazy about the galaxy do not look at the standings and say, oh, well, you know, the Galaxy are in seventh place. Uh, you know, they're in danger of missing the playoff. LA is going to be fine, folks. LA has way too much talent. Bruce Arena is too good a coach for them not to figure these things out. They have played 12 games, 12 games. They have like three games in hand on everybody in the West. So they will be fine. Robbie Keane will be back. Landon Donovan will be Landon Donovan. Jesse Zardis is going to, you know. He scored in this game. He is going to be a factor. Yep. They are going to be fine. Omar Gonzalez will get back and get healthy and, and, and be a dominant force in the back for them. LA Galaxy will be in the playoffs. They will be a factor in the postseason. Book it, folks. Seattle, I'm, I'm sorry, C- yeah, Seattle and Chicago played uh, to a, uh, a 10-man game for each side. John Kenny Hurtado on Chicago had a red card. Owen Femme Martin's got a red card, but that was before he scored a brace in this one. Lamar Nagel... Uh, scored a second half goal for them. Rookie of the year candidate Harrison Ship with a brace in this one. Uh, but Seattle, man, they're they're just like, like we've been saying, Ivis for the last two months. Everything with Seattle has been going their way. They pick up another three points right here. They, they they've got quality. I mean, considering you know, no Dempsey, no Yedlin, no problem. They they've got depth and and you know, they did such a good job of putting that roster together. And uh, <clears throat> if you want to just talk about. The difference, differentiation between a good offseason and a not-so-great offseason. And not to pile on the Red Bulls, right? Because the Red Bulls did have a win, big win for them. But look at Seattle's offseason, what they were able to do to revamp their roster. 
And then you look at the Red Bulls, who kind of stood pat, and if anything, got weaker in their roster. And what? And, and now you look at Seattle; they're in first place in the West, and you have New York, uh, tied for fifth in the East. And and depth is so important in this league. Uh, getting your signings right, not wasting signings is so big. Not wasting cap space, and I think Seattle did an excellent job building their roster and. And it's showing now when even without Glenn Dempsey, even without Yedlin, uh, they're they're not missing the beat. They're still scoring goals and they're still winning games. FC Dallas picked up their first win. Think about this since April nineteenth. Uh, I mean, words for me, I I can't put it in words about how big this was a win for FC Dallas. I mean, to go into the break with the win, just after the hot start they were on to start the season and, and to go to the last month and a half where they haven't been looking that good. They defeat the Colorado Colorado Rapids. Uh, three to do to two. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. Zad Lloyd, uh, Fabian Castillo, and Andres Escobar with goals in this one. And for FC Dallas, I have this huge, huge, huge victory, especially for Oscar Pereja against his old team. Well, there's that, obviously. Pereja beating his old team. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, look, Pereja, I doubt Pereja, you know, that means anything more to him because it's not like, you know, he left the Rapids. It's not like the Rapids fired him. He left. So, you know, if anyone if anyone if anyone had reason to be bitter or want revenge or it's Colorado. It's not Breha. He he's the one who skipped town for his, you know, the city that he really loved or whatever the storyline, whatever the narrative was there. Look, FC Dallas huge for them, right? I mean, they're two, four, six, eight in a row without a win. And if they if they went in the break with, with that loss, I mean they might not they might not even even been in playoff position heading into the break. But now they get that win. They stopped the bleeding. They're still, even with that eight-match winless streak, they're still in playoff position, which just shows you how good a start to the season they had, right? I mean, it seems like so long ago when they started 4-0-1 and racked up those points. But, you know, when you look at, at things na- at now, um, Mauro Diaz, I mean, he could be back when they come back from this break, right? I mean, that's they, st- they actually still have one more game. They play Portland. Uh, on Wednesday, so they're 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 the break is not over for them yet, right? So they still have one more game, but they just to stop the bleeding before they hit the break is huge for them because if they can get back from the break and get Mauro Diaz back, all of a sudden they have a chance. And I wish the Philadelphia Union continued to hold on. They're showing some life uh, in the last two games. Connor Casey back to back games with the brace. They play the Vancouver Whitecaps to a three three. Draw and uh, Philadelphia, Ivis. I mean, things are. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you know, Philadelphia starting starting to show some life here. Uh, yeah, you know, I agree. I mean, I've said I said even when they were struggling, uh, that you know, there were a lot of results that you know they they played well enough to get better results, and and they they have the talents there. The talents there, no question about it. Um, it is tough to see them kind of blow the lead there. They they were up three two and. You like to see them put the game away at home, but uh, I think draws a fair result there. Vancouver's solid team, so it if you're if you're John Hackworth, you you got to feel pretty decent about the way your team heads into the break uh, in a game like this against a tough opponent, a team that's playing well. So uh, we'll see how the break uh, treats them. We'll see if they go and and make any any changes to their roster, if they have any more money to 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 maybe go get get some help. I, I mean. For me, I think the squad they have is, is pretty decent. Connor Casey's a big key because if he's going to score goals for you, if he if he is going to now show the quality that he showed last year when, when I thought he was a real revelation for them, if he's going to be able to give you that, 
then they absolutely have a chance to climb up and get right into the playoff conversation. If he's not going to give you that, then you need to go get a forward because that, you know, I don't think Andrew, uh, I don't think Andrew Wenger, ha, you know, has penned out for them. Look, Connor Casey, Ivis went healthy though. I think you and I could agree. He's a very good player. I mean, he was healthy last year for them too. He, Connor Casey's a good player. Uh, he, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say with the service that they can provide uh, and, and the players they can put around them when you want to talk about Nogueira, uh, and Maidana. Uh, I mean, there's no reason why he, he can't keep scoring. Assuming he can stay healthy, because yep. obviously he's a guy who, who you know, he's got a lot of miles on, on those wheels, and 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 he's he, you know he plays he's plays such a physical game that it's it can be tough for him to stay healthy. But if he can stay healthy with with them having the players they have now in Nogueira, Maidana, Marisa Du, uh, they're going to set him up. They're going to create chances for him. Uh, you know, you want to see Latou get healthy, right? You want to see him uh, being able to give you more than. Uh, you want to see him getting back to being ninety minutes guy for you, but yeah, don't write Philly off, folks. Don't write don't write Philly off uh, at all because I think they have quality. Uh, Toronto FC defeated uh, San Jose one to zero. Jermaine Defoe with the game uh, with the goal in that one. Excuse me. Um, and think about this, Ivis. Since Michael Bradley left Toronto, Toronto has now three wins and a draw. So uh, I mean, Toronto's fine without Michael Bradley. They might as well just transfer him out of there at this point. Uh, there you go. It was, you know what? It won't matter because he's gonna have a monster World Cup, and then he'll end up at Milan for like you know twenty million. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, no, but hey, you know what? Get Ryan Nelson, give, give the guy a little credit, right? I mean, they're you know they they're three zero and one in their past four. Uh, you know, at a time when people might have thought, oh, oh, you know, they they had that three game losing streak. Michael Bradley's about to leave. Uh, it's gonna get ugly. And what have they done? They turned around. And they put together this nice unbeaten streak, so it, it just shows you that they they're more than just DPs. They're just they're more than just, and not just Bradley's gone. Julio Cesar's not there, which you know what it doesn't shock me because I mean look, Joe Bendix, uh, uh, you know he showed last year that he can be a decent goalkeeper. So uh, you know I don't I don't think anyone should really be surprised uh, by him being able to step in and and kind of give you some give you some help there. So uh, a player to watch for them, Nick Hagland, uh, rookie uh, defender. Who's kind of you know been plugged in here and there, and uh, you know he's been he's been doing pretty well there. So that's a pretty solid first round pick for them. So he's in that conversation of rookies who who started to get some regular playing time. So uh, you give him credit, you give Bendit credit, and obviously Jermaine Defoe. You know he he does what he's you know that's why he gets the big bucks. So Toronto FC folks, they're they're gonna be once they get Bradley back, they're gonna be a force. I think. And uh, one more thing before we, we close out the show uh, in the North American Soccer League. Minnesota United FC is your spring champion, Ivis. So congratulations, Minnesota. Uh, they defeated your Cosmos by one point, a single point. Uh, pretty close, pretty close. But look, credit to Minnesota. Put together a solid spring campaign. <clears throat> it's only half of the season. Obviously, the fall is still to come. And, and the winner of the fall plays Minnesota in the final, unless Minnesota wins the fall as well. Uh, I, I'm sure some people will be will come away a little surprised uh, that the Cosmos weren't able to win. I think, I think I'm sure some people just expected them to run away uh, with the league every single season. But it's not. You know what? The NSL's got the NSL has some quality. They, they've got quality. Minnesota's a good team. Um, so for them to put the season together that they did, uh, you know, they deserve a lot of credit. And uh, just to run down the standings for you real quick, Minnesota 1, Cosmos 2, San Antonio 3, uh, Carolina 4. No huge surprises really in the top four there. For me, 
obviously the spring, uh, you know, Indy 11. <laughs> uh, they played a lot of close games, and I, you know what? I'm gonna bl- I'm gonna take the blame for them having such an awful spring first half of their season existence because I thought I pegged them to, ha- to to do well. I actually had them. I had them like fourth or fifth, or you know, I, I just looking at the names that they had on that team, it was probably ambitious to, to expect them to hit the ground running. But I tell you what, I'm not having given up. Let's watch out for them in the fall and see how how they rebound from from uh, a pretty disappointing, a winless uh, first season campaign. But uh, still, if you're if, if you're a soccer fan in India, you got to feel good about a team being there and, and about the group crowds that they've been able to draw and. Watch out for them in the fall, folks. Yo, yo, some of the rest of the Saints. Ottawa six, Tampa Bay seventh, Atlanta eight. Looks like that Eric Wilnot experiment did not work. That's now three references. And SC Edmonton ninth place. And uh, you're right. Think things things change in the NHL. I kind of like that they do the uh, spring and fall seasons. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's a, you know it gives you a fresh start in the fall. If, thing, if things maybe don't go your way, or an injury or injuries or whatever, you know, get right back on the right back to the drawing board. And look, Cosmos are not done, folks. They. They're gonna go spend. They're gonna. I mean, there's obviously the talk of Raul, and they're playing the Red Bulls in the Open Cup. So you know what? Even though they didn't win the spring, they're, they're exciting. T- seems like there's some a lot of exciting times ahead for the Cosmos and for the NASL when you have this uh, upcoming U.S. Open Cup round, where you're gonna have several NASL teams with a chance to beat MLS teams, and uh, that that it it does matter. It does matter if you're in NASL, you're fighting for. Uh, respectability and and fighting for visibility in the American soccer landscape. If they can pull off some wins in that round, uh, it's going to turn some heads, and it's going to you know you'd like to think hopefully it'll help attract some interest because it, there's some quality soccer down there, folks. It's not um, you know obviously if you're not from the area where these teams are located, maybe you probably won't be exposed to these teams, but. I'll tell you what, there's talent down in, in that level, and and the side. I would say the level of play in the NASL uh, right now is probably better than it's been in several years. So, I mean, that's a credit to the ownership, the new ownership groups that are there, this, the money they're spending. Uh, it's it's getting better. It's getting better. And with that, today's SBI show has come to a close. Ivis heads to Brazil on Tuesday, so uh, pending a positive or a good internet connection. Wednesday night, Ivis and I will record a show. So on Thursday morning, hopefully, we will have our World Cup preview in because I know everyone's just dying to hear my World Cup predictions. Yes. Uh, hopefully, I'll be coming to you from Sao Paulo, uh, Brazil, for uh, for our first show from the World Cup. Uh, I travel on Thursday, on Tuesday evening. I land Wednesday morning in Brazil uh, the day before the opener, Brazil versus Croatia. I will be in the house uh, at that match, and uh, exciting times ahead. This U.S. team, I'll tell you what, the you know after coming off of the three and zero sendoff series and this win against Nigeria, I'm starting to think U.S. fans are are, are feeling good about this team, uh, feeling a lot better about this team than they were two weeks ago, especially after that roster came out and Landon Donovan wasn't on it. There was a lot of skies falling talk and like what is Klinsman doing? And I'm st- you know what, there's still some of that, and there's still. People who don't get why Landon Donovan was left off, and 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 you know that's fair. You know it, it, it still is a sore subject, but you know what? The team is the team now. This is the group, and it's coming together pretty well. And back in December, when this group was drawn, a lot of people were like, "Oh, there's no chance. There's no chance. There's no chance." But I, you know what, folks, looking at it right now, this team has a chance. Absolutely, 
this team has a chance. And if 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 they can keep this vibe going and and, and play and and develop a good understanding as a group, they can absolutely advance out of that group, folks. It's not impossible, not at all. And it obviously starts with that first game against Ghana. So it's fast approaching. We're a week away from that first game in Natal. I'll be there for that one as well. But uh, first things first, that long flight to Sao Paulo. How long is that flight? Was it like ten hours? Uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's that long, but it's an overnight flight. Gets there Wednesday morning. The U.S. team actually left tonight, Sunday night. They're they're flying down now. Um, you know, hopefully I can sleep on the plane. Uh, been doing a lot of that lately, but uh, uh, it's interesting. If anything, I'm disappointed about is the fact that I did not learn Portuguese. I was like, uh, two years ago, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna learn Portuguese before I go to Brazil. Nope, didn't happen. Sorry. So I'm kind of disappointed by that, but. It's close to Spanish. You can get by. Uh, I'll figure it out. I'm sure enough people down there will probably speak English. I think. I think uh, yeah, it's not, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about communicating. I just kind of wanted to learn it, so then I could practice it down there and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, hone my Portuguese. Nice. So, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Nice. So, well, Ivis, I'm going to let you go so you can uh, <clears throat> pack for your trip to Brazil. So, uh, have a, have a good night, buddy. Thanks, man. And. Uh, and hope and hopefully, for, okay. Just for everyone listening, a, for, a fair a fair warning. Ivis and I will try to do as many shows as we can over the World Cup. That depends on internet connection, schedule, and all that stuff. So Ivis and I, we we will try our best over the next three weeks. Yeah, we can't promise anything. Um, but again, <laughs> like you said, it depends where I am at the time. I'd like to think that when I'm in Sao Paulo, it'll it'll be a pretty uh, a pretty easy process. But you know, when I'm in Manaus, maybe not so easy. So. Uh, we'll play it by ear, but we'll definitely try to bring as many shows as possible. And who knows? We'll maybe we'll shake it up. We'll do uh, specific post game uh, wrap up shows for the U.S. pre game uh, pre game preview specific shows. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, we'll maybe try to mix some things up. Uh, maybe get some guests from Brazil or or you know during the World Cup. So we'll see how it goes. So uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, we're gonna try to spice things up a bit. It's gonna be good, man. I'm excited. But we'll, we'll we'll save all this for our World Cup show on uh, later later this week. We'll, we'll save it. We'll save it all. Our World Cup spectacular. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ivis. Well, uh, well, you have a good night, man, and uh, I'll catch you later. All right, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your views, and thank you for all the listens. This is the SBI Show.